Hey everybody! Today, Rado runs through his top 10 cooperative games, part two. And I say part two because six years ago, I got in front of a camera and counted down my top 10 favorite co-op games of all time at that time. And uh, it's such a special list for me because there is nothing I'd rather do at a gaming table than work cooperatively with other people. I would so much rather work with you than work against you. And, uh, you know, cooperative games brought me into the modern designer board game hobby. I owe the idea so much. I love it so much. And here's the deal. Before I start counting on this part two, one caveat, I am not replacing my original list with this new list. I'm going to talk about 10 completely new games that have come out since the last time I did this countdown. Now, if you want, you can hit that eye up there in the top right corner of the screen and go check out the original run-through. That list still stands. That is 10 amazing games that I would happily drop everything and play with you right now. I guess what you could say is I'm expanding to maybe sort of a top 20-ish type thing because these are 10 more amazing games. And, uh, yeah. So, that's uh, caveat number one. Caveat number two is... I'm not going to do this alone, folks. If it's I'm talking about cooperative games, I should really cooperate with somebody. So, I have a very special guest. That's why this video is so long, in case you didn't notice. And before I bring him on, I have to apologize to you and to him because, well... In my foolishness, I decided, you know, how am I going to record him? Oh, Skype now has a built-in record your videos feature. I'll use that. And unbeknownst to me, by default, it records at 8 frames a second. So, you're going to see him. He's going to have an amazing list. I loved his list. But it's going to be a little choppy, seeing the little picture-in-picture of him. And also, the audio is occasionally going to go out of sync for him a little bit as well. I cleaned it up as best I could, but... Lesson learned. Do not record a top 10 using Skype. There's got to be a better way. But with those two caveats out of the way, let's start this uh, updated or this sequel to my top 10 cooperative games by, first of all, everybody. Say hey to Ruel Gaviola. Hey, Ruel. Hey, how are you? I am doing okay. I'm assuming Ruel is kind of floating somewhere right about there on the screen. Maybe there, maybe there. I'll worry about that in post. Ooh. But Ruel um, is a great board game videographer. I don't know if you're familiar. He's kind of an up-and-comer. He's been making, uh, in the past, uh, appearances on the Geek and Sundry channel with Becca Scott. He also is a regular on the live streams put out by Renegade Games. And forget about all that, because he has started his own Twitch channel. And uh, you can find links for that down in the show notes. I normally uh, do not espouse the use of Twitch, but I would say in this case, he is worth it. Um, because here's the crazy thing. I don't know how long you've been doing this, Ruel. For like the last several weeks, every night... You have yes. been doing live streams with your wife and sometimes your daughter. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just been amazing for me to watch. You must be exhausted. Uh, yes, I'm really tired, but I'm still happy to be here, Richard. Thank you so much. Yeah, we started this um, when the stay-at-home order came down here in Southern yep. California back in March. Um, you know, everything shut down out here, just like it did everywhere else in the world. And, you know, I was... You know, I, I just wanted to continue to make video content, and I couldn't do that with Renegade or Geek and Sundry because the studios have closed. And I said, you know, we love to play games here in our house. Why not give it a shot here? On you know, on Facebook was easy. You know, we were yeah. on Facebook, and I talked to my wife Michelle and our daughter Lauren. I said, hey, 
would you be interested in playing something live online? They're all, uh, sure, whatever. And then I don't think they knew what they were getting into, um, <laughs> but it was, it was fun. We decided, I just said, let's just play a game every day at five o'clock Pacific um, yeah. here. I'll just put the, got my smart smartphone, my laptop, and we just, you know, sh- shot some videos and uh, live streamed it, you know, talked to some of our friends that were joining us on chat and it eventually just started growing and growing and, we did 31 days straight, which is season one oh, of Live at Five, and okay. then we transitioned to Tabletop Tonight. We decided to push it back till seven until 7:30 um, Pacific at night, and instead of doing every single day, we're doing every oh. weekday now. So, okay, af- yeah, after 31 days straight, we said, you know, let's take the weekends off. Things are, I mean, things are still the, how they are, yeah. but they're a little more normal, so we can take the weekends off. And you know, with our work, with school, and everything else, it just works out perfectly where we get together. Every weeknight here in the game room, and it's a really nice. It was a really nice thing when the shutdown or stay-at-home order came down because it gave us a nice little bit of structure to our day. Where yeah, you know, we were working, uh, doing school work and stuff, um, but it was still that weird, like you know, it's hard to mark time, you know, during mm-hmm. the days and no you know, structure. Yeah. yeah, there was no structure except yeah. every day at five o'clock. Hey, let's meet here. And now every day at seven thirty, let's let's meet here. And it's really cool. It's just again, we love games in our household, um, but it's a nice way to share with everyone else and stay connected with our you know family and friends as well online. Yeah, well, it's 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 fantastic. And um, folks, uh, you gotta check him out, uh, Ruel. And his family are charming, charismatic, personal people. Uh, Ruel does a great job of engaging with the audience, too. And, you know, kind of bringing them into the experience. And I wouldn't say they're full-on game teaches, but you come away with a better understanding of what the games are like. And, and honestly, your wife is hilarious. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You know, it, it's funny. I, it, it's funny how, you know, it, this this whole thing has been like... Um, you know, come on in. It's as if you're in our, you know, game room and we're just hanging out, you know, and it's like, I can, we can teach you the game, but we can have, it's all about having fun. It's all about the experience. And yeah, Michelle cracks me up in real life. So it's nice to see that translate into the, um, videos as well. I should say, Lauren is great too. I've just seen more videos yeah. of Michelle of the ones yeah. I've watched. <laughs> yeah, Lauren, you know, Lauren's busy with school and stuff. So, exactly. And she, yeah, 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 she has her friends as well. But you know, uh, you know, thanks to both of them for being able to uh, hang out yeah. and do this with me. Well, keep it up at thanks. least until they eventually start saying, uh, n- "No, not tonight, baby. You can <laughs> yeah. do a solo one tonight." I exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, folks, this is Ruel. I definitely recommend checking him out. Links are down in the show note. You can catch him five nights a week for now. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. Although right. He's got incredible stamina, i got to say. I don't <laughs> think I could do it. Um, but, Ruel, you have a list of ten cooperative games that you and, I assume, your family love. Yes. Um, right. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess are I should ready? say... Okay, so, okay. yes... Uh, Cooperative games. I love cooperative games, and I want to say that you brought up Pandemic. That was the, my entry point of the hobby as well, Richard. Five okay. years ago, I saw Will Wheaton on, on tabletop, and I saw Pandemic being played, and I thought, that looks interesting. I've never seen anything like that before. So that's my love of this hobby starts with Pandemic. Wow. But, well, it really but, starts with yeah. Ensign Wesley Crusher, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> oh, no. He I doesn't like that. that, and I, I He doesn't that. like that, yeah. Will, if yeah. you happen to watch this, I'm sorry. I love you, Will. That's, yeah. I just had to say it. Just in case he's watching, Will, I love you, too. And I'm so sorry I didn't respond that one time in that AMA on Reddit. I didn't recognize it was you. You're awesome. <laughs> 
every time after you left the show and you came back, it was a banner episode. Um, I think the writers finally got how to use what? I mean, anyway, sorry. This is not a Star Trek Next Generation <laughs> recap. We're here to talk about cooperative games. So do you have yes. anything more to say before we start counting? Uh, no, I, I just want to throw that out there about Pandemic being my entry point as well. Okay, well, that might be a spoiler. We'll see if it makes it on your list. Yeah. Um, but here's what we're going to do, folks. I'm going to mention one. Ruel's going to go, or, or yeah, Ruel's going to do mm-hmm. one, and from 10 to 1, I'm going to start with my number 10, Arion. Now, this is the latest, the newest game in the Oniverse series of games, which, strictly speaking, are designed as solo games by Shady Torbay. He's done a whole series of them. They're all really cool, clever. They're set in this kind of surreal dreamscape where you're doing all kinds of stuff. But the thing I've always loved about this series, while they are excellent solo games, each one of them comes with a two-player variant that makes them wonderful cooperative experiences. Really deep, really interesting. And uh, Arion, I think, it's his newest one, and I think it's my favorite of the entire series. It is basically, when you play with somebody else as a two-player game, a cooperative Yahtzee. Uh, for all intents and purposes, because it is a game where we are rolling, re-rolling dice, using those to gather resources to be able to build airships, which means we have to recruit crew for the airships and get building materials and um, racing against time uh, to be able to get it all done. And while I love it as a solo game, when uh, you and I, Ruel, are playing it together, in the solo game, I have to be working. I have two workshops. I'm working on uh, these airships at the same time. If I play it with you, I've got a workshop, you've got a workshop, and we have a communal workshop that we can both contribute to. And so it could very well be that, oh, that card that you need, I can get for you. And the synergy, as in all of the Oniverse games, is great. The presentation is lovely. It's very fun and fast and fluid. It really pushes dice yachtiest stuff in a kind of new direction. And I love everything about it. It is my number 10, Arion. Nice. Um, I have to admit, I've not played that. I've played, um, what's the first one in the series? Onirim? Uh, oh, um, yeah, it's Oner- Onirim was the, Onirim. the original. Yes, and I enjoyed that. I didn't know that you could actually play cooperative. I guess, yeah, that totally makes sense. But it's great. Nice. It is great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, any of the Oniverse games work well, solo and two-player. And yeah. I don't know, if you've still got it, maybe it'll show up on your feed soon. Nice. Right. Awesome. Okay, uh, my number 10, I sort of fudged a little bit, I have to admit here, because my number 10 is sort of more semi-cooperative, and the game that I'm selecting for my number 10 is Dead of Winter. Uh, this is a game from Plaid Hat Games from a few years ago. It is cooperative, but ish. there is always ish, <laughs> there is always a chance that there's a traitor, right? Yeah. And, but the thing is, I've played this game at two and three players without a traitor, and it mm-hmm. works great as a cooperative game. I yeah, love I'm sorry, the are you saying you have played it just that, oh, coincidentally there was no traitor? Or you've set it up, say, well, look, we're not going to have a traitor in this game. We've made that choice when we set up. I've done both. Okay. So um, as a two-player game, said, let's let's just play it cooperatively, see what happens. And then th- as a three-player game one time, it just happened to be no one drew the traitor card. So both times it was great because... Well, at least for the three-player game, there was still that tension of who's the traitor. You know, there's always going to be that tension. Yeah. And I think it's great that there's a tension built in because everyone has personal goals as well as the group objective. Yeah. And those personal goals, you know, the things you do personally, it's like, oh, is that person doing that for their goal? Or are they really trying to hose the rest of us? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I... Again, I love the theme, the whole post-apocalyptic thing. We're trying to survive the dead of winter and things happen. And it's not easy, you know, that 
uh, more times than I can count. I've rolled that stupid little die and had the tooth and killed off one of my characters. It is what it is, but it's so much fun. That's my number 10, Dead of Winter. We're not done talking about that because you have really sparked my interest. This is a game I've never played because, frankly, my wife has zero interest in um, maybe I'll betray you, maybe I won't. You don't know. You'll find out later. She says, yeah, Yeah. tell me about the next game because I'm done here. So you are (laughs) suggesting, I don't think I've ever heard anybody suggest the idea of playing Dead of Winter purposely setting it up as a pure co-op. Are you suggesting... I mean, does it stand on its own, or is that just kind of a fun variant, and really it's at its best still, and it's it's losing its... I would assume it loses its heart and soul without the potential threat of a traitor within your midst. Yeah, so, uh, and that, yeah, that's a great point. It is, you know, it's not... I feel like it's not the full Dead of Winter experience yeah. unless you have that threat of a... That's why I was thinking about the three-player game where we just happened not to tr- draw the traitor. That was great because there was that tension. With a two-player game that I played co- ah. fully cooperative, yes, you do lose some of that. But there's still that really great... You know, the Crossroads cards, the you know the mm-hmm. um, storytelling bit of it. I love the theme. I love... You know, I think it's a really smooth game to play. Um, so, yes, you may not get the full Dead of Winter mm-hmm. experience, but I would still recommend it as my number 10 uh, cooperative. Wow. Okay, I'm putting you on the spot. You are suggesting for somebody who has been interested in the game for quite a while, knows about it, and decided, well, I just don't want any traders. You think it could stand as a solo or as a co op only game? That it has enough. Well, those are strong words. You heard it here first. Yeah, I I stand behind my recommendation, Richard. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, You have uh, maybe opened some eyes in this room. Um, I'm a little (laughs) bit more interested. Okay, but anyway. Enough. Let's move on to my number nine, uh, which is, I believe, the newest game on my list. Yes. Uh, It is The Crew, which I assume you know. Yes. Yes. Everybody knows about The Crew. I forget the full title. It's The Crew, The Search for Planet Nine or something like that, or The Flight or The Hunt. Yeah. But at its heart, this is effectively an abstract trick-taking game where we are working cooperatively to ensure that the right player wins the right trick at the right time. And on the simplest level, that's all it is. Because before a given round of trick-taking starts, everybody drafts a collection of mission cards that we have to complete. And I might get the mission card that says, hey, you know what? When there's a trick that has the green seven in it, I must win that trick. If I don't, we're doomed. We lose. And so, eventually, uh, somebody's going to come to deal with the fact that I've got the green seven in my hand. And, or, you know, and I know that Ruel has to win this. So I have to get it in play, but I also have to lose so that he can win. And that is such an amazing you know, completely mind-bending way to go about thinking, um, you know, in terms of how to work cooperative with other players. It's just, we love it. The crucial element that makes this uh, work is the fact that we are not allowed to communicate openly. And honestly, this is not the only time I will come back to this idea. I think the imperfect communication is the single most exciting and important dynamic breakthrough in modern cooperative design there is. I mean, it's a big part of what you were talking about, Ruel, that you know, there's imperfect communication in Dead of Winter with objectives, and uh, we can never really be sure, because we just literally can't come right out and prove that this is what we're trying to do. And the same thing is here with the crew. Now, I'm also going to get on my soapbox a little bit. I know I preface this by saying it's effectively an abstract. 
I don't think so. The game actually comes with 50 discrete designed sessions, missions you can play that uh, follow the story of a group of astronauts who leave Earth, you know, run into all kinds of problems, technical uh, breakdowns, asteroid fields, all kinds of things, trying to get to the elusive Planet Nine, which is actually a real thing that astronomers are looking for in, in, in real life. And I do feel the uh, the icy cold of space coming in. I you know. I mean, the fact that as astronauts working in high pressure situations, you know what? We don't have time with this problem, with an air leak right now, to very calmly and collectively decide the exact perfect thing to do. Sometimes you just have to play on instinct. You have to just go by your gut and hope that what you are doing, what you are adding to the project of fixing the air leak, will actually work with your teammates. That's the reality of a high-pressure situation in real life. And in that regard, I feel like it's a thematic game. I'm sure I'm going to be laughed out of the room. Ruel, what do you think? You know... I've wanted to play the crew. Here's another one that I have not played. And the reason why I haven't played it is because it's so hard to track down. I cannot of find course. a copy anywhere. Yes. Yeah. And the people uh, like yourself and everyone else who's played it, they absolutely rave about it. And it's so fascinating to me because I feel like there is that whole theme put on this game that works. And to me, it's mind-boggling that a trick-taking game could have a theme, you know? And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm when you dying play to try it, you it. might disagree with me on that, to be fair. Uh, okay. I, mean, I might be in the now, minority there, just a little bit on that attitude. <laughs> now, how far have you gotten through the whole like campaign or whatever? We have, you have played, played the, uh, the first time we played it, we played nine missions back-to-back. -back. Because, I mean, to be fair, wow. a mission could take anywhere from, you know, like, 10 to 20 minutes. I mean, these are fast. So uh, we okay. sat down and we just really just instantly fell in love with it. And we've been able to go back twice. And I think we're about halfway through the storyline. But then so I could actually film, I just cheated and said, hey, let's jump to the end and see what some of these final missions are like. So Because I ultimately gotcha. did do a run-through. So I, I've gotten a pretty good feel for the overall experience. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, too. This is also not only a trick-taking game with a theme, arguably, and cooperative, mm -hmm. definitely. It's also a trick-taking game that works well with two players, and that is totally unheard of. Right, right. Yeah. The only one I've heard of that has, has two players is uh, Fox in the Forest. Of um, course. Little yeah, plug for Renegade. One. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. How, yep, funny yep. how that works out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, I'm, I really I'm, need to play um, Fox and Force. Definitely. It, it's good. It's good. I but I'm so drawn to the crew because I'm a sci-fi fan. So that right there has me in trick taking with two players, especially and cooperative. Yeah, count me in on that. Excellent. All right. Well, what do All you right. got? What's your number nine? Uh, number nine. So number nine. Um, I sort of cheat. Uh, hey, I cheated again for number nine uh, because I I watched a video of this. Um, Did you get the memo I, about this co the content of this video? I'm wondering. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> I cheated in a way that I might have watched a video on a certain channel uh, called Rado Runs Through. Um, oh, and my that nine, hack! You're yeah, best that, staying away. Yeah. So number nine is uh, Codenames Duet. Um, oh which, yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I was just, uh, it's, I know it's been out for a few years, but it was only until recently that I was introduced to this game and played it. And we actually played it on the live stream, and mm -hmm. Michelle Knight loved Codenames Duet. We were fans of the regular Codenames, um, you know, all the different versions. But Duet, mm -hmm. um, and the, here's why I'm, I'm, I'm cheating, because I'm thinking about what you said in your video, was 
code names, the regular code names, we had also played it the co-op variant, the yeah. original game. And you, you know, you one player takes a turn, and the other player is trying to guess um, uh, the words. Yeah. It's it's, it's like names, a one-way clue giving thing. Yeah. Exactly. And what I like, and I love this about code names duet. You always, it's you take your turn, and then the other player takes turn. So you're going back and forth trying yeah. to give clues and guess clues. So I really like that back and forth in code names duet. It's got a really cool um, aspect where you're trying to you can sort of deduce what's um, what your opponent or what your partner's trying to um, get you to guess. And yep. yeah, I, I think it, it just really, for me, it elevated the uh, cooperative experience of uh, code names. So that's code I names completely duet. agree. It's a, it's another example of imperfect communication, um, yep. really pushing the cooperative experience through to another level. Uh, I, I love it as well. I'm curious, have you played the, the, it's got a mission mode as well. Have you messed uh, with that much? We have not messed with the mission mode yet, no. Okay. But have you done that? We messed with it a little bit, and I thought, okay, this is kind of nice, yeah. but it doesn't really take it as far as, say, the crew does, where, look, okay, no, this is our thing. We're planting our flag. We're putting 50 missions. Each one of them has a story. It's a narrative that goes from beginning to end, as opposed to the, oh, well, we'll just move around a map, and we'll slightly change the rules from series to series. I did. I appreciated it. I, I yeah. thought that was great. I love that they were doing it. I just wish they'd taken it the extra step, like the crew did. I, I totally agree. And, you know, again, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, we're just moving the map and we just changed some of the parameters. That's cool. But, yeah, yeah I would have really liked that whole, hey, it's code names. Let's get in the whole spy theme. Let's do this, you know, 100% yes. into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's, so, and that's, yeah. that's really that's interesting. Number nine. That our code number nines. Well. Yeah. yeah, our number nines have that overlap, basically. <laughs> um, it's almost uh, overlap, but not quite. But we'll see how things continue to go. Uh, with my number eight, Spirit Island. And this game is crazy bonkers heavy. This is easily one of, this is perhaps a bit bold for me to say, but one of, if not the heaviest, crunchiest, Euro-style cooperative games on the market. This game is absolutely insane with depth of its simulation. And I probably should say what it is. This game is basically Settlers of Catan, where you don't play the settlers, you play the island. You are a protective spirit of earth or wind or water or... There's a bunch of them. The game comes with a lot of very cool asymmetrical spirits that you can play. And every round, there are settlers coming to your island trying to, you know, build cities and farm the land, which is interesting. They refer to it, you know, the AI, oh, we're just farming. We, as the spirits, you are spreading blight amongst our land. I really love that kind of narrative uh, distinction that you're looking at stuff you have done in lots of games from a completely different perspective. Um, so this is very, very cool. And what really makes this game stand out, oh, there's a lot of things, is this is an area control game. And area control, of course, is the uh, the land of, I take your stuff, I kick you out, and just you know constantly back and forth. Something Jen and I don't generally care for. But here, there is an external invading force. And we, you and I, Ruel, are working cooperatively to turn the tide, push them back. Or, uh, as the game goes on, uh, you know, if we instill fear in the hearts of the settlers, we can potentially get other ways that we can win as well. The game has so much variety and um, it even comes with a bunch of variants where you can give different origin stories to the invaders and give them special powers and whatnot. So there's a lot of amazing stuff. And if there's one thing that I love more than anything else, and this is something I would love to see in more cooperative designs. It's very, very rare, but I think it's so powerful, is the notion that, Ruel, when you and I are playing this game, 
we do almost everything simultaneously. This it, it does not have a rigid structure of my turn, your turn, bad guy, my turn, your turn, bad guy, and so on. There's nothing wrong with that. But saying, okay, we're in this mode and we we've all got our cards we can play. You know, I can play mine, but if you play yours first, then I could do this. Getting that extra level of freedom to solve problems. It has a downside. It can definitely make the game heavier and crunchier and more analysis paralysis inducing. But on the other hand, it makes it so rich with possibilities and it stitches us together so tightly. Um, you know, in other games, we both mentioned we love Pandemic. Pandemic, look, I do my thing and you do your thing and maybe we collude every once in a while. Maybe sometimes on my turn, you can play a card. But here, we are lockstep. I do X, you do Y, I do Z, um, unless things change. So much amazing stuff. Uh, my only warning, the only thing that keeps it from being higher on the list is, it is so crazy heavy. I would love a more kind of gateway plush take on this game that doesn't take many, many hours to play and doesn't just push you over the limit. It's, it's right on the hairy edge of too heavy and complex for us. Um, yep. But when we do get it out, man, it's amazing. Uh, that is Spirit Island. I I love Spirit Island. And I'm going to oh. tell you, confession, the only reason why Spirit Island did not make my list okay. is because I played it exactly one time. And <laughs> I want to play it more. It was not my copy. And it was at the time it came out, it was tough to get. And I just never got a copy. But the, my one time playing it, I absolutely loved it, and for all the reasons you talked about, it's crunchy, it's heavy, you're doing things simultaneously, and I just, the theme, again, it's flipped the script of uh, Catan, yeah. you know, it's totally yeah. flipped the script, and that's something I think that's needed in board games, and I'm glad to see it, I love that it exists, I'm gonna have to track down a copy someday and, you know, get it in, because it's so, it's absolutely fantastic, and again, it, it, yeah, only, it only missed my list only because I played it once, but I, I did love it. Do you it. have a, what's your yeah. sixth sense tell you? You've played a lot of games, do you think, with some more exposure, it could have made it on your list? Um, or you, no, you're not ready to uh, commit? Uh, the reason, the only reason why I say no is because of what you uh, talked about, how it's maybe pushing the limit of being too heavy. Ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you know, ga like hardcore or hobby hobby gamers, they know about Spirit Island, and you know, it's gotten accolades for you know good reasons. But I think generally, as far as it taking off, I think it is a bit much for you know. It's definitely something that's not a gateway game. And I like your <laughs> idea. I would totally play a gateway plus version of this game. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. So, all right. So, moving on to my number eight. Um, I believe you've uh, done a video on this. Kitchen Rush is my number eight. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Kitchen Rush. And um, this is actually a game that I love for the main reason is it's got that real-time element. And mm -hmm. anyone that's played cooperative games before, they know that all cooperative game, most cooperative games can have that run into that problem of having the alpha dog or the quarterback, right? So I think the real-time element in cooperative games gets rid of that for the most part because you don't have any time to plan. It's like you got it's almost like by instinct. Okay, I gotta go here, gotta go there. Um yeah. you can plan during your downtime, of course. Hey, I need to go here, you know, in kitchen rush, you know, you're trying to make dishes and you got all these different parts. You got the pantry, you got the um the stovetop, you've got, you know, places you gotta put your dishes to serve. And everyone's, you know, you plan it and then you Take a little sand timer as workers, which is brilliant. It's, yes. I think, 30 seconds, I think, per um, sand timer. You turn over, and then you go do the things. And it's 
I love there's a, quite a few games that I love that are real time that did not make my list like Magic Maze or Fuse. Those are fantastic. Mm. I love those. The only reason why Kitchen Rush made it on my list is because I'm a foodie. I love to eat. I love the theme. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we besides playing games in my house, we love to cook, go out to eat or whatever and Kitchen Rush really just spoke to me from a the- thematic standpoint and yeah, it, it's it's so much fun. It's great. That's my number 8 Kitchen Rush. I cannot argue with that. I, I assume you have not tried its sequel, Rush MD, which is the basic same idea, but said in a hospital. Yeah, not yet. I have not played yeah. that one yet. You'll love it. They're they're both phenomenal games and a great suggestion. That was your number eight. Yes. Is well, uh, kit, is a Rush MD? Is that just a retheme, or do they actually do different things? It's a it? it's a retheme, but it's definitely a two because uh, it's still the same basic idea. You're placing uh you know hourglasses as your worker. Once you do a job, you can't do another one until the hourglass empties out and all that. But a lot of the acts that you do when I put this over here and say, okay, I'm we're going to operate. Or we are going to administer medication because we're basically doctors and nurses running around in, a, in, an, in an emergency room in a, a hospital. A lot of the things you have to do, you don't just say, I'm doing this and therefore I get the resources or I put the card or whatever. There's little mini games where you have to do kind of dexterity stuff. Uh, that just elevates the game a whole other level. Cool. They're really simple. Okay. They're really simple. I know some people have, oh, dexterity, no, that's too much pressure. But they're very, like, the coolest one is to administer vaccines or medication. You have these little uh, pellets that represent the medicine, and we have syringes that don't have needles, but there are functional syringes. <laughs> and we have to open the syringe, and we have to take tweezers to pick up the pellets and put the pellets in the syringe. In real time. That's and, crazy. Um, wow. Or if you no are way. doing an operation, you, you, you put the, the card that represents the uh, patient you know, in the OR room. And again, you've got to get out the tweezers and use the tweezers to pick up the, the heart for the heart transplant. And these are slippery. <laughs> The uh, <laughs> these wooden tokens. And you've got to like, ah, the, the heart just fell off. <laughs> you know, it's just, that, it's, I love it. It's it crazy. reminds me of that, uh, yeah. the old childhood game operation, but in real time, it, right? I don't know why I didn't draw a parallel to that till just this very second. But yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> but at its heart, it's got the same type of really interesting decisions and a good modulated pace because it's not just from start to finish, everything's real time. We do a period of real time and then, okay, time's up. Now we can relax and we can mm-hmm. plan what are we going to do next. That's a really important element to the game be, uh, you know, to, to make it approachable because I think it would be too much if you had to do a half an hour nonstop real time. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it is funny that was your number eight, because my number seven is Fuse. Ah, nice. Yep. Love Fuse. And, uh, and I think I've just proven Fuse is better, because it came in seven as opposed to an eight. <laughs> so it wins. Yes, yes um, the argument is over. Settled. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Fuse is another real-time cooperative game. It's nowhere near as uh, ambitious as the ones we were just talking about. This is a very simple dice drafting game. Everybody has uh, these cards in front of them that represent bombs that we are trying to defuse. There is a timer. Uh, you could use your phone or a, a kitchen timer or whatever. You have 10 minutes to defuse a certain number of bombs or we lose. And every round, and rounds go as fast as we can, we reach into a bag, draw a certain number of dice based on the number of players, roll them, and now everybody has to take one of those dice. Um, and uh, But the problem is, oh, I really need a green five. 
And yay, a green, but it's a green three. I can't use it. I could potentially use this green over here because I've got a space where it doesn't matter what. I just need to put a green over there. But you say, I need a three and it's a three. And we have to in real time decide, well, I could use that green three and put it in my green spot. Uh, you could use that green three to put it in your three spot. We don't have time to argue. We have to decide now, 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 because we have 10, sol or 10 total minutes to do this. And the tricky thing is, any dice that we don't take, they end up going back into the bag. But before that happens, we re-roll them. Um, and as a punishment for not actually properly doling them out to everybody, we might lose progress on some of the bombs we've already done. So this game is chock-a-block full of paying attention to your teammates. Which, to me, is of course one of the hallmarks of a really great cooperative game. I do care what's happening with you. I do care what your needs are as much as my own, because if I am not equally responsive to that, we will lose, because we can't really be a team. And I love it. Uh, you know, In contrast to what I just said, uh, you know, this one, you have 10 minutes from start to finish, but I think 10 minutes is a good length of time. If it went any longer, it would be too overbearing. It would just be too exhausting and fatigue-inducing. But it's just perfect. It's immediate. It's instant. Super easy to pull out and play and teach. And I love it. My number seven, Fuse. Yes, love Fuse. Again, it... it you know, if we could have done like a top 25 list, it would have definitely made my list. But we're doing top 10, and it, yep. just, it just missed the cut. But yeah, I love Fuse. It's... One that I also, um, I still have in my collection. We always use it as, you know, for either new gamers or just as a filler. But this game, it makes me sweat. Like every time we play Fuse, like by the end, it was like, ah, just sweat. But yeah, in a good way. I love it for, yeah, in a good way. It's a yep, good yep, way. Yep. Yeah. All right. That's phenomenal. Yeah. All right. Great number game. Seven. Um, num my number seven is Star Trek Panic. This is wow. a game based on, yeah, really? game based on Castle Panic. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a gateway ish game, but. Well, Castle Panic is a gateway game. I would call Star Trek Panic a gateway plus. It's yeah. based, I love it because it's based on the old school Star Trek, the original series. And it's got all the characters, like the, the like photos from the original series. You have all the, you know, cast members. You have, you know, Spock and Captain Kirk, etc. Yep. And it takes Castle Panic and makes it a meteor game, if you, if you can think of it that way, because Castle Panic, you know, it's a tower defense game. You're rolling dice, and then the monsters are trying to get your, you know, castle. Star Trek Panic, you have the Enterprise right in front of you. You're trying to protect <laughs> the Enterprise, right, from Klingons and uh, everything else. And what what I really love about Star Trek Panic is mm -hmm. there's two things. Number one, the Enterprise in the middle. It's not just there. It's just not a pretty decoration. It's actually violent. Although it is, game. it is a wonderful little cardboard model it of is. the NC seventeen oh one. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yes, agreed. And you know, there's uh, the way that it plays is you have missions. So you're trying to protect the Enterprise, but you also have these missions that you're trying to do, which are based on the original episodes. You know, you have uh, um, you know a mission called the Trouble with Tribbles, and the way you're trying to complete these missions are by um, using set collection with the cards, right? So you have mm -hmm. uh, certain symbols that you're trying to collect, but at the same time, all the ships are converging. You're the Enterprise is getting damaged, and it is tense because from the first turn, like you're getting damaged, you're getting hit by all these different, you know, enemies and stuff. And the only thing I would say that I'm not really a big fan of this game, it goes on a little too long. It's a 90 yeah. minute game at uh, most player counts. I would love to prefer it at 60 minutes. 60 minutes is perfect time for this game. It goes a bit long, but again, the theme carries it for me. I, you know, I play it with all my old school Star Trek fans and we love it. And it's just, it's a lot of fun and it can be taught to new gamers as well, which I always appreciate. So that's I my agree. number seven, Star Trek Panic. 
Yep, you 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 identified my one issue with it is it's beautiful, and as a yep. lifelong Star Trek fan, everything important in life I learned from James T. Kirk in the '70s when I was growing up, uh, and uh, yeah, and and I love the use of real stills, and um, I love. More than anything, the fact that, yes, you're like I said, this is a tower defense game, uh, except instead of the center of the board of it being a tower or a castle, it's the Enterprise with Klingons and whatnot moving closer and closer. But the Enterprise can move. It doesn't yeah. have to stay still. Yep. And so that means when you, uh, when you basically, I don't remember if you call it go to warp or just go to impulse, basically you can control the whole board by having the Enterprise move in a certain direction. And that, that was brilliant when I saw that in play. And you can rotate yep. the Enterprise to, you know, to try to navigate through things. Yes. Really cool stuff. If, it, if that were a 45-minute on average game, a proper pandemic length, yep. yeah, it would be on my shelf right now. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. That's that's the thing. And again, the only reason it's you know I rank it so high of so far up on my list is because I love the theme. And again, those different characters they can be like Sulu can you know navigate navigate the ship better. Um, yep. You know Spock. I forget his ability, but he I think he gets extra card or something. But yeah, the the game is just um, so so thematically rich and perfect, and I, yeah, I love it. Yep, 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 yep. Awesome. That's a that's a good one, man. I haven't Thanks. thought about that game for years. Yeah, you're making me kind of Jones for it a little bit. All right, um, okay. Number six is another relatively new one. Uh, just came out last year. It is Cities Skylines, which is a board game implementation of apparently a hugely popular video game series, uh, Cities, which is effectively a, uh, a an heir apparent to SimCity, which. I'm sure you have put in many, 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 many hours into SimCity, like I have. And while yep. I haven't played Cities, uh, I love the DNA that's woven into this cooperative city-building game where we are trying to set aside zones for commercial and residential and uh, industrial development and um, watching the city grow. Uh, everybody has special powers, whether they are the, the city comptroller. I don't know if there is a comptroller, but if there's not, there should be. But you could be the mayor, you could be the, uh, you know, the chief financial officer. Everybody gets special stuff. But the crux of the gameplay is everybody has a hand of cards. And we're not actually building stuff. The people of the city will build. We just have to allocate zones that will allow to be developed for different types. And the, the tricky thing is, yeah, I could say, yeah, we're going to build a, a library over there. But, uh, it says on my card that before we build a library, if there are certain residential requirements have been met, that library will be worth a lot more to our overall city. So I've been holding this for a while, hoping that we can make the residential prerequisite come to play so I can get the full use out of it. And that's where you come in. Because we've only got so many cards and everything about this game is working together. Okay, I really want to play this fire department. You really want to play this library. I really need to get this uh, canning factory done. But I don't want to do it until this other... And something else gets built. And that card might come up into your hand. Now, a big part of this game is a random draw because we're getting new cards out of a deck and we never know exactly what we can zone. And that, at first glance, may feel like it's too constricting and the game is all luck-based. But this is the amazing thing about this game that I think most players don't appreciate. One of the things you can do on your turn, instead of playing a card to develop a, uh, a zone, what you normally do, you can discard a card. Um, and it goes into a discard pile, and you know that means, of course, you get to draw back up. And the interesting thing is you have to pay to do this. And you're like, why would I do that? Um, because that discard pile is available to us. And we can, instead of drawing new cards blind from the deck, we can always go back and get cards that we had previously like, like 
put in the archives or whatnot. And so this is a way that, you know, if I've got a card that because of who you are, you are the legal counsel for the city, if you play this, you would double the value of it. But it's in my hand. But do I have time to waste time just archiving it and waste money, and money is super tight in this game, so that you could pull it out, so you could do it on your turn, or do we just take the hit and get it out now? Um, because you are constantly under pressure as this city develops, and you have to meet all the needs of the growing population. It is very clever, and more than anything else, I love it because I love SimCity. I love building modern metropolises, and all of them, almost all of them are competitive. And being able to build something with my wife is so wonderful. The game's not perfect. It had some very iffy rulebook translation issues and whatnot. I talked about that in my run-through, but on the whole, though, I'm absolutely uh, enamored. Well, it wouldn't be on the list if I wasn't, but that is my number six, Cities Skylines. Well, that, okay, so this is funny. I remember when City Skyline came out, I've heard good things about it. I didn't even know, it was, I did not know it was a co-op game. Be honest with you. I just for whatever reason, I was I heard I heard the description. I was thinking it was gonna be it's just another like quadropolis type game. Exactly. You know? and, and that's understandable. They yeah. buried the lead. I mean, yeah. that's what makes this stand out because there's a lot. I mean, I've done a top ten SimCity inspired games. There are enough mm-hmm. of them to do that. And right. but that is what really and there there are other cooperative SimCity style games as well. I mean, I I mean you know, was it Sprawlopolis, City Council yep, and whatnot. Sprawl. But this yep. one, oh man. Mwah. I love it. Yeah, not yeah. You totally got me wanting to play this now. So that's another one on my my list to play. Yeah, (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Um, My number six, um, not really a cooperative game, but it does have a cooperative variant called. It's called Paperback. This is (sighs) a nice, nice. I love so I love Paperback for years. Right. It's um, for those of you who haven't played. It's basically Dominion meets Scrabble. It's the best of both words. Worlds. I am a word game fan. I love all types of word games. Scrabble, whatever. But Paperback, it has the Dominion mechanics to it. You know, you play five cards. You get special abilities. You try to buy cards to add your deck that are more powerful. That get you more cards later that will help you score more points. And I've loved it for years. And it was only until, I think, last year that I went to all the way to the back of the rule book and said, <laughs> oh, there's a so, there's a cooperative version. <laughs> and I was like, so, I, you know, I, Michelle, I, I told my wife, Michelle, we got to play this cooperatively because she likes paperback as well. Okay. But we played it. It was fantastic. It's just, it's so simple to play. You're just, uh, the victory point cards that you try to get, you stack them in a little pyramid and yep. you're trying to get them off before, like every turn that you do not buy a victory point card, you place a cube on it. And if any card gets five cubes, you lose. So it's this really, it introduces this really cool um, uh, style of play where you're trying to get the cubes off before, you know, the game is over. So you try to build your words. You try to get enough points to buy that victory point card. And they start with the easiest easiest ones that are like, I think, mm-hmm. five cents to buy. Then you go to eight, 11, and finally 17. So it really... It's a really cool puzzle, and when you're working together, you're like, okay, I really want that double word score. I'm going to get that double word score letter, and hopefully later on when we need it, I'm going to play at the right time so I can buy that 11-cent word, and then finally you have to save up for that 17, and every turn that you do not buy a victory point card, you're putting cubes, and it comes by a lot faster than anything, and yeah, so as one builds up, that becomes, okay, we have to solve this one. Exactly. And it's our yep. fault because we let it build up. You know, exactly, kind of right? Yeah. And that's what that's what I love about it. It's like, oh, do we buy it now or no, I can wait and get more points and oh, it 
it, it really, it just made me appreciate Paperback that much more. I, I love the game competitively, but cooperatively, it's fantastic, and it shot straight up to my number six. That's Paperback. That's, I, I, I agree. Um, why? It makes you wonder, why isn't Scrabble a cooperative game? Um, because <laughs> right. it solves the problem with word games. You always have somebody who is better than everybody else. Yep. So why not let players work together to come up with the ideal words? I love it to pieces. Yes. Here's a, a little secret. I was talking with Tim Fowers, the uh, designer of it, and Ooh. he admitted that the co-op mode came in fairly late. Okay. And um and yet you know uh, you know even though the, the, the heart of the game is this co- uh, competitive game but for me the cooperative game is so fantastic I mean we love it to pieces and oh, unlike nice. most deck builders where eventually you get to the point where yeah we really need some more dominion cards here we're kind of running out of it paperback you'll never run out of words that's you know? right. It's, that's it's, right. Yeah, that's a good one. I so good. strongly agree. That is not cheating at all. The only problem <laughs> with that game is it, like City Skylines, it should have trumpeted from the rooftops. I am here and I am cooperative, and you are going to love me. I absolutely agree. Again, I had that game for years, and it, it was only last year, seriously, where I looked at the back. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you just thought it was credits <laughs> back there, and, and yeah. 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 Okay, that's that's an excellent one. I I am liking Thank your you. list so far. Uh, awesome. We're going to move on to my number five. Yes, number five. Uh, this one's a bit heavier for me. Not heavy in terms of gameplay, but in terms of theme. This war of mine. Mm. I don't know if you played it, um, but it is actually. Come to think of it, I didn't realize this. This is my second video game to board game translation. Like City Skylines, this war of mine is based on a monstrously popular video game series, which basically puts players in the shoes of regular day-to-day civilians trying to survive in a modern-day war zone. We are not the generals. We are not the soldiers. We are not the heroes of the war. I mean, all of that stuff is... We are the collateral damage. We are just living in the rubble, trying to feed our families, trying to keep the lights on, trying to stay warm in the dead of winter. And it is a, at times, heartbreaking and harrowing experience. Uh, It's also an incredibly compelling experience, too, the board game, because a big part of the... uh, The game actually comes in two halves. You spend half your time in kind of a worker placement type thing where you and your fellow players who represent a ragtag group of survivors in a hold-up in a house do worker placement type stuff to, you know, repair the house, to, um, you know, try to put together makeshift water collection devices, stuff like that. You know, day-to-day survival business. That's during the day phase. You do the best you can, and then at night, some portion of your group of players has to venture out to try and go scavenge, to find more building materials, food, water, assistance, support, whatever it takes. And that game becomes a sort of push-your-luck cooperative game where you run through a series of encounters, you can decide how to respond to, um, you know, sometimes great dangers, you know, uh, looters, or um, you know scavengers who would try to steal stuff from you. Sometimes heartbreaking moments. Uh, children who are starving. Do you give them your food? That's the obvious answer. But if you do that, you will starve tomorrow. You and there's no way you're going to make it through a, a game of this war of mine without some of the characters that you grow to be attached to dying or basically just wandering off and never being seen again. And I've definitely cried while playing this game. I have definitely had moments of exaltation and joy. And um, But it is definitely... I think it's, it is a perfect example of gaming doing something more 
than just titillating us or, you know, scratching our gray matter, you know, allowing us to go a mile in the shoes of a, of a story of people. We do not hear these stories near enough. We, you know, we hear stats about the number of people who have died in the latest attack. We maybe see little blurbs of, you know, crying children covered in dust and rubble, and it pulls at our heartstrings. But this game goes so far beyond to make you live that experience um, on a deep, visceral level, and I think it's important. And I think it's also a brilliant balancing act that in spite of all of this, I, I don't want to scare people away, it's a genuinely fun and compelling game too because you do have those moments of sunshine. You do have those lucky breaks. You do have that sense of accomplishment. Um, you do have, um, you know, even in the worst case, you feed the starving children and the next day one of your own dies as a result. Um, but you still, you know you did the right thing and you can carry that with you and you've lived with the consequences. It's There's so much to this game and um, it's highest praises I could sing is the fact that my wife finds it compelling too because... You know, she's a caring and compassionate person, but my wife, generally speaking, does not want to necessarily be exposed to all the problems of the world. She just wants to focus on her world. And um, But this, she found herself coming back and being pulled in. And I think anybody who plays this game and really invests themselves into it, I mean, even on the tiniest level, becomes a better person for it. And I think that's really important. And um, that's why it's my number five, this war of mine. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I, you know... I had a chance to play this um, a while ago when we yeah. when we still had game nights. Remember those? Um, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah. So uh, one wasn't of the that a game... TV show? Oh, right, yeah, yeah right. Board game show you're talking about, right? Of course. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. Game um... night. Yeah. <laughs> or, or oh, that's an awesome movie. I love that. Uh, yeah. With, yeah. It's, uh... Same. Same. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Um, I I remember seeing it on the table, and I just for whatever reason I passed on it, and now just listening to your description, I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to play this game, and. I think it's a whole nother conversation, but the whole, like what you're talking about, how this game really, I mean, it's an experience and it took you yeah. to that next level of like, and it was emotional. You really, you know, you bought into it and it talks just the fact that it's about the, the people that are being the collateral damage, as you call them, you know, this is what war is all about. I mean, yeah, you have your soldiers, you have nations versus, but you know, it's all, it's millions and billions of people are affected and how do they go about their daily lives and, Gosh, I really want to play this game now. It's just... That, I think that, everybody you, should. And the yeah, interesting it, thing, too, is the game is also wildly um, um, experimental in that mm -hmm. when, you, when you pick up the game, you turn the first page of the rulebook, and you are immediately playing the game. There is no read a 20-page manual, learn all the rules. This game pushes the idea of learn by doing harder than any other game in the industry. And there are other games that have pushed this idea. Legends of Andor, I think, in part, uh -huh. got its Kennerspiel nod because it tried to do the same thing. Because, of course, they recognized this was a game that has much broader reach than just hardcore board game geeks like you and me uh, because, right. of, because of the video game tie-in. And so they work really, really hard to make it a game that just anybody can pick up and play. I know, for a fact, this does make it frustrating for some players because really hardcore board game geeks say, no, tell me every single rule. I don't want to make no. a single decision until I know the consequences of every decision. And I would beg uh, that player to indulge the game in its kind of imperfect... no. You know what? In a real war zone, sometimes you don't know the consequence of your decision. You have to just go on instinct. You have to say, well, what should I do in this circumstance? And consequences, I'll find that out later when I get to page 13 of the rulebook. And I really respected that. It, there were some teething issues with the rules. They didn't quite do it perfectly, but I so respect them for trying to push the industry in a new direction with that as well. 
Yeah, and I'm wondering if that if they got that from just the background of the video games. You know, video games you can just usually just jump right in and you just sort yep. of like you know figure it out. And maybe they took that approach to the board game rulebook too. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. You're right. They were probably. I just thought they were doing it just to make it more mass market friendly. But they're yeah. probably just trying to emulate the now standard tutorial structure of video games. That's a really good yeah. point. Cool. All right. Awesome. Uh, my number five. So, yeah, let's go to the lighter end of things here. Okay. My, my number five is Just One. This was a game oh. from a couple of years ago, which yeah. immediately fell in love with. It's a party game, but it's a cooperative party yeah. game. And yeah. it's so much fun. It's easy to learn. You're, you know, one player is, um, will show the other players a word that they have to guess. They do not know what it is. And the rest of the group will write one word, just one, on their little uh, dry erase boards. And then that player, the clue guesser, closes her eyes while the rest of the group silently shows their words, and if anyone matches, they erase those words. So anything that does not match will be shown to the clue uh, guesser, and they have to guess what word they're trying to guess um, based on the clues that they have in front of them. It's such a, a simple design, but it's brilliant. It's yes. um, You're just trying to get through, I think it's 13 cards that you, you have to play. It plays in about 20 minutes, and I brought this to all types of events, and it's always been a hit. We play it now every uh, year at Christmas with my family and our extended family. It's the kids love it. The adults love it. And yeah, just one. I Just go get it, folks. It, it's amazing if you haven't played it. Is it. I, I love it is brilliant beyond yeah. words. Uh, it yeah. is hard to to encapsulate why. It sounds like such a simple little idea. Yeah, yeah. But the experience, my only complaint is, uh, I, what would you say the minimum player count? It, it goes down to three players. I would say it's not yeah. necessarily worth playing as a three-player game. I've tried it that way, and I've wished I could try it at higher player counts. Yeah, I agree. I've, uh, my best experiences have always been with a full player count of seven. Um, yeah. yeah, three was meh. I, I didn't really care for it for three, but I, I would say minimum four. But if you can get the seven, it's so good. And um, it always works like when you have, uh, again, those things called open game nights. It's always great when... You know, you have like a couple of groups and you're just waiting to fill out the groups. You have like six players. Hey, let's play just one until people show up so we can break off into smaller groups. And yeah, it, it, just, yeah. it works on every level for me. I it's, love it. Yeah, for those who haven't played it, imagine that the, uh, the secret word that the guesser has to guess is snow. And so, of course, you say, oh, snow. Well, I'll just say white or I'll say cold or I'll say ice. If you go with the obvious thing, everybody else went with the obvious thing too. Yep. And that means all of those go away. And so... How do you it clearly imply snow without an incredibly obvious word? It's such a cool puzzle. And it's so yeah. fun to then just sit and watch the person, you know, when they got their three or four, and you're like, well, it's snow, come on, what's wrong with you? But, you know, they are, t it's, it's, oh man, it is great. It is amazing. Yeah. Everybody should own this yes. game. Just in case, Absolutely. you never know when a party's going to break out and you'll want it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's, um, the most, the best part of it, it's fun being both the clue giver and the clue guesser. Yeah, um, yeah. both sides of it, it, it works equally well. Yeah, that is, that is an excellent one. I have to admit, I didn't even, I wouldn't even consider it because you're right. It's a party game, but there's, it yep. is 100% a cooperative game. I, good, good call. Yeah. All right. That was your number Thanks. five. Right. That was my number five. All right. Uh, my number four is Tiny Epic Defenders. And I should hasten to add, it is the second edition, the revamp. Okay. The original Tiny Epic Defenders I also love, but I don't think it would have made my top ten. But with the reissuing, where they went back and completely redid the art, completely redesigned the cards, the monsters, the player abilities, and it takes it to an 11. And this is basically a fantasy cooperative game where players are... are Engaging in epic feats, running around in a very tiny world, trying to defend it from an 
onslaught of monsters. And to me, you know, we talked right up front about Pandemic. I'm still waiting to see if it makes your list. I'm sure you're waiting to see if it makes my list. <laughs> yeah. But Tiny Epic Defenders takes what I think is the most powerful element of Pandemic because it's very, very common. I mean, it's been true for several of these games we've already talked about, that the external force that pushes us and makes us cooperate is literally just a deck of cards. And every round, hey, they draw a card and, oh, we get hit over here, or we get hit over here, or whatever. The thing about Tiny Epic Defenders is, as part of setup, we find out exactly what is in that deck. So we know, this time, because the deck was randomly created, yeah, the bad guys, they're really going to be striking in the forest and the ruins and the desert, and we can completely ignore the docks and, um, you know, the, or, you know, one of the other locations. We can completely ignore those and focus, because we don't know when a place will get hit, but we do know, statistically, what's most likely to get hit. And so, every round, when we're deciding, well, okay, I can make it over here and be in position to defend, because I think the next draw, it's likely the forest is going to get hit, because there's two forest cards in that deck. But if I do that, I am putting off this other thing I could do that would actually let us, um, you know, get this particular artifact that would make us stronger and more powerful. And so, having to balance your imperfect knowledge of what that deck is going to throw at us um, and try to squeeze in all the things we're trying to do, you know, um, repair damage that has been done to areas, chase after artifacts, fight bosses, all kinds of stuff, always knowing that that deck may or may not uh, cause us trouble, because our ability to act is in that deck as well. We don't just go, oh, I'll go, Ruel goes, we draw a card. It's always, we draw a card. And if it's my card in the deck, hey, I get to go. Maybe I'm not going to go for like another three turns. Maybe the bad guy will go three times before either of us go. Um, you know, And that's why when your turn comes up and you realize our turns might not come up again for quite a while, I can't do the thing we planned on doing. It was all perfect because that forest is going to get hit and it's going to go down and then the city is going to fall and we're going to lose. And having that knowledge and being able to use and leverage that knowledge, because the other thing is this deck grows over time. Uh, every time it empties out, you end up taking another monster one and putting it in and we won't know for a while what the new boss is that's going to be a problem. And it is brilliant. It's such a fun, simple puzzle, but you have so much control and so much opportunity to push your luck with your advanced planning because you can never be sure what that deck's going to give you, which is why I love Tiny Epic Defenders. Plus, the second edition comes with item meeples, where we're running around with meeples, but they've got little holes, so yeah. you, when you get an upgrade, you can actually slot little items in. I love it to pieces. Yes, I love the item meeples. This is a game I need to take another look at, because mm -hmm. I played um, the first edition, and mm -hmm. it didn't really do much for me, so... Yep. Um, I remember when second edition came out, but because of my experience with the first edition, I wasn't that interested. But I have to say, I do love the Tiny Epic series. Uh, Galaxies and Quests are two of my favorite games. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, they, again, they, for them to do what they do with in such a small footprint uh, of a box, and yeah. they, these are like, I think people sometimes. Um, they they just fly under people's radar sometimes because these are full games. You know they are not just mm -hmm. little filler games. These are full games and no talking, compromise on no compromise whatsoever. All. They're just smaller and the fact that they have item meeples too. I, mean, I love those things. Those are great. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to give that another shot, Richard. Yeah, the second edition. I mean, the first edition was good, but like um, the 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 abilities you had, a lot of them were just oh you're getting hit more and more and more. Yeah, and it was just more about well how do we mitigate all this damage? A big shift they made in the design is now a lot of the abilities you get are more about how can we leverage this to get ahead of the curve, to be more proactive instead of reactive. And right. that was a philosophical change that I really think elevated the game. Plus nice. the item meeples. 
Yeah, exactly. It's all about the it's all about the components. Um, yes, I won't. Let's go to yeah. My number four. Uh, we've talked about some real time um, games before. My number four is a real time game called Escape: The Curse of the Temple. Yes, this is one of the first games I got when I got into the hobby, and it's still in my collection. Absolutely love it. This is. Indiana Jones, basically. You are mm-hmm. an adventurer going into a temple, trying to get treasure and trying to get the idol, right? Trying to get that idol, just like in, in uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first movie. You grab it, and when you grab it, all heck breaks loose, and you need to get out of the exit. This is all done real-time. You had mentioned a game earlier before, um, a real-time Yahtzee. This is real-time Yahtzee. Everyone yeah, has a set yeah, of di- yeah. yep. Everyone has a set of dice. You're rolling, trying to match the symbols to get more uh, to open up a different tile room. You go in that room, and it's going to have either gems or other things you need to take care of. And while you're doing it, you have the soundtrack going. It's this pulsating soundtrack, and it adds to the tension. And it's you have, I think it's ten or fifteen minutes. Um, ten. Ten. Thank you. Yep. Just like Fuse. And yep. you're rolling, and you have those stack of tiles. You're trying to find the exit, grab the idol, uh, complete all the things, and get the heck out. And you get out, and then you're trying to help your opponents get out. If you roll certain symbols, those dice get locked, and you need someone to come into the room and roll the dice, their dice to help you out. It's so much fun. It's a game that I always bring out. Um, well, actually, no, I haven't brought it out in a while, but um, when we have a large group... Uh, that are new to games, I love to introduce it to them because everyone knows Indiana Jones and everyone knows how to roll dice. And here yep. we go. Um, let's play it. And that's my number four, Escape the Curse of the Temple. Yeah, so this is our second real-time dice rolling game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. And then there's the Kitchen Rush as well. Kitchen Rush, yes. A very common complaint. I'm curious what you think about this. A very common mm-hmm. complaint that some hardcore gamers will levy at these is, well, yeah, I like it in theory, but because of the real-time nature, I can never be sure if my teammates are cheating or not. And because of that uncertainty, I can't enjoy the game. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, I, I, yeah. I, I guess, for me, it's, again, it's all about the experience. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so maybe someone didn't get the exact diet. It's it's 10 minutes. You know, we're not sitting here for, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like we're playing a game of Twilight Imperium and someone had fudged on this uh, turn three and just totally destroyed the game or whatever. No, this is, it's a 10-minute game. You're, you, I, I just accept it like, you're going to make mistakes, or especially if you're playing for the first time. You know, talk about the mistakes, play again. It's another 10 minutes. Reset yeah. the soundtrack, you know, do it again. So um, that's, again, if you're not into real time, that's fine. But I, I love it. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah this yeah. is a journey, not the destination kind of game. Because it is exactly. just 10 minutes of pure adrenaline-soaked fun. Which is not something yes. board games generally give us. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's another game that makes me sweat. So there's two, yeah, yeah, two yeah. sweat games for me. <laughs> So that was your number four, right? Yes. Okay, we're about to get to my number three, but I'm going to interrupt the flow here for a little bit because I realize I should have started. I started to mention at the beginning, whatever, an hour ago. Oh my gosh, an hour. Actually, for me, this is <laughs> we're making pretty good time, in all honesty. Uh, okay, um, great. All right. Oh, when I started, I mentioned I've done this list six years ago. And what I decided to do is... Well, what I decided... First, okay, I'm just going to revisit because it's been six years. I bet you most of those games aren't really on my list anymore. They've all been replaced by new stuff. Rel, guess how many of my original top ten would still be my top ten to this day? Ooh, uh, that's... I want to say at least three of them? Um, seven. Oh, If wow. I... So what I decided to realize, oh wow, I've only got three new games that have worked their way into my the vaulted heights of top ten co-op. I realized, well, okay, I'm not just going to count down seven. And that's why I thought, oh, I'll bring somebody else in, and that's when I contacted you. But then I thought, no, 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 I still want to talk about other stuff. So here's the deal. Um, 
everything I've just talked about up till now. I mean, I, I love all of them, but I'm going to do effectively some honorable mentions right now in my okay. original list. And you can you can hit that eye in the top right corner of the screen um, to go watch my original top 10. My original top 10... Um, well, maybe that's spoilers. I shouldn't do it. My original top 10, 9, and 8 um, are still at this point. Uh, but I'm not going to spoil it. Or should I? Should I? What do you think? We're really making it as we go. Okay. Spoiler. My original top 10 was SOS Titanic. Number nine was Legends of Andor. Number eight was Space Hulk Death Angel. I still love those games to death. Um, and uh, if I, th- those would have been my top 10 right now. So I, I just want to give those shout out. Uh, my number three is a new game. And it's the first one that goes into my true top 10 of all cooperative games. And it is Aeon's End. And Aeon's End would have been on the list. All of these probably would have you know, made the list if they'd been available six years ago. Aeon's End is kind of... what well, it, it, It's a cooperative fantasy deck builder where we're, our decks represent all the stuff we can do as we fight off the uh, constant waves of badness coming from a big, bad boss monster. It's The entire game, thematically, is the equivalent of a final boss fight in a video game. Um, you know, because it's just... Uh, you know, the game comes with a ton of them. There's a ton of expansions. And every boss functions differently does really interesting stuff, and every time we play, we get a different Dominion style, a whole bunch of different cards that we can purchase to put in our deck to fight the boss. And so much of this game is about me setting things up so you can finish them off, us working together, colluding, uh, but really strong, solid deck building as well. And there are two things that make this special. One of them, I already talked about in Tiny Epic Defenders, the timer deck. The deck that says, whose turn is it next? Um, do I get to go? Do you get to go? Or does the boss get to go? And never being 100% certain, okay, we've got the perfect plan. I'm going to do this real, and then you'll do that, and that's really going to... He's going to lose 10 hit points. Oh, crap, he went first. Oh. <laughs> and he did this, and now, okay, now what are we going to do? You know, I mean, that constant uncertainty. Um, yeah. But although, again, not try, because you know the contents of that deck. You can take educated guesses. Am I likely to get to go again before he goes? Because he's got more cards in that deck than we do. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. So I love that, just like I loved it in Tiny Epic Defenders. It's the, the heart of what makes the game so special. The other thing is, it's a very unique deck builder. Uh, as you, you know, like a deck builder, I've got my deck of cards, I've got my hand, at the end of my turn, I discard cards, eventually my deck will be empty, and then in any other deck builder, almost any other deck builder, I would then take my discards, shuffle them up, and then draw back five. Not in Aeon's End. I take my discard pile, flip it over, and just put it. So... This is a deck builder where you have control over the order of the cards that come out. Because a big decision you make in this game is, right, I'm playing these three cards, what order do I discard them? Because that's going to be the order I play them again later on. And it's a simple little thing, but it so radically rewrites the script of what a deck builder is. I often call deck builders um, broken engine building games. Because your deck (laughs) is an engine, but it never gives you what you want! It's a very unpredictable engine! Not so in Aeon's End. You are in control of this engine. And it's so impactful that every time Jen, my wife, and I play a new game, and I'm ex- it's a, co- a deck builder, and I'm explaining here's how the deck building works, without fail, she says, all right, is this one of the ones where you can just flip the deck over, or do you shuffle? And I'm like, honey, 
you shuffle in all of them. There's only one in the industry where you don't do that. But she keeps waiting because it's the best thing you can do. It's absolutely awesome. To be fair, uh, Ryan Lockett did it as well in um, The Ancient World, I think. Uh, uh-huh. Credit where credit is due. But maybe there's some other ones I don't know about. But yeah, Aeon's End is amazing. Really rich, a very deep world backstory. Uh, it's from the designer prior to this, as I understand, was a professional circuit-level Magic the Gathering player. Yeah. Um, you know, he made his living doing that, and as a result, you see a lot of depth and complexity and card combinations in the core design that really elevates this game, and I love it to pieces. And number three, Aeon's End. Yes, I uh, I love that whole, you know, you're not going to just shuffle in your discards and start over like any other deck builder. I think that is it the designer, was that Justin Gary? Um, I'm not sure if it was him or not, but I know he's done other things for, um, I think it's, gosh, is it White Wizard Games that does this game? I forget. Uh, um, no, this is, uh, it, you, it's, it's uh, uh, Indie Boards and Cards. Indie Boards and Cards, okay, yes. Yeah. I, I get them all mixed up, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love that whole, you know, you put the, you're going to discard the weight and you just flip them over and reuse them. I think, like, I, I didn't know that Ryan Lockett did, but I, I would love to see this in more deck building games, right? It's, it's kind I, of a no brainer. Right? I, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just, a, it's a tough way to design or maybe people are just used to deck building. You just shuffle. I guess it's yeah. easier that way, but I feel like this, this mechanism itself should be used more and more. Um, it just, I, I love it. Donald X Vaccarino, before you bring us another yeah. Dominion expansion, please work on some <laughs> Dominion variant rules for non-shuffling. I, I, exactly. And then make a whole expansion out of that. That would be amazing now that I Absolutely. think about it. Yes. Dominion 3.0 or whatever we, we want to call it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we are number three, correct? Yeah. By the way, did you have any... I just kind of cheated and threw in... And I'm going to keep doing this now. I'm going to mention yeah, my yeah. old list. Did you have any um, things... I, I got the impression you did want to talk about more than just 10. Yeah, so um, these were uh, games that... So we talked about one was Fuse, that that just missed the cut, yep. as, as well as Spirit Island, because I'd only played it once. Um, another one that that's a real-time game, and I don't know, it may be on your list, but Magic Maze, that's another one that's uh, real-time, you know, uh, sort of like a dungeon crawl in a mall, I guess yep, you call yep. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then another, uh, Mex versus Minions, I don't know if it's on your list, sure, but I, yep, I yep. love Mex versus Minions. The only reason why I didn't make my list, because I've not completed the campaign yet. I think I'm in game four or five, I, I don't even know, but... It's just one of those things. It just certain times you, you get in a game and it it didn't really click with the other players in my group. So they, mm. you know, I'm not going to force anyone to play a game, right? It's we're here to have fun, not like hey, we're not going to make this a job. So we, they, a couple of players dropped out. I still wanted to pick it up, but you know, I haven't found that um, those players yet. So Max versus Minions sits on my Good shelf. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, those are some of the uh, the honorable mentions, I guess. So on the list. there is definitely a recurring theme with you that you really like real time. Mechs versus Minions is a quasi real time game at all, but very softly. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, like what I, I I think the whole real time aspect it cuts down on the quarterbacking. Um, sure. You know, really. Now, do yep. you have a problem with that? Have you? I, I I'm lucky in that 99 percent of all my gaming is with my wife, and we're so busy quarterbacking each other that it's kind of a mutual <laughs> quarterback association. Um, yeah. But I mean, obviously that's a huge complaint. A lot of people lobby at uh, co-op yeah. games that they are very fragile uh, in in terms of somebody who just decides, well, I know what's best. I'm going to tell everybody what to do, and everybody else is having a miserable time. Do you run into that? I mean, I, 
I, I, I did, uh, when I first got in the hobby, I did. And it, I remember when I got into Pandemic, I mainly played it solo at first because mm. after Michelle and I played it, she wasn't really, she didn't really like it as much as I did. So I just soloed okay. the heck out of it, right? And then when I started going to public game nights, um, I, I did run into that problem where there's a couple of players that were, uh, were definitely alpha dogs. And, you know, it is what it is. I, I get it. That's, you know, whatever. But once the real time aspect, you know, was introduced into some of these cooperative games. I preferred those because, hey, there's no time to quarterback. You can quarterback as all as you much as much as you want, but it's not going to help because we're running out of time. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I do, I do prefer that. Um, I think with games like Pandemic, those type of cooperative games, I like them solo because I can just take my time and not, you know, and just do my thing and not have to worry about someone telling me this, this, or that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, moving on, my number yes. three. Yes, it's. This one, you, you talked about uh, this war of mine being a little heavier in subject matter. Mm-hmm. Number three for me is Freedom, the Underground Railroad. Yeah. yeah. And this is a heavy game in theme. Uh, it's First of all, it's a brilliant cooperative game. The design is rock solid. It's But it's about the Underground Railroad. Uh, you know, very dark time in American history mm-hmm. as we're, you know, slave owners or they're slave catchers. Try, and you're trying to get slaves over uh, past the Canadian border to safety, but it's not going to happen. You're going to yeah. lose slave. And it's, again, it's abstracted. They're little cubes, but these are slaves and these are American lives that were lost. And I don't play this game often because it the subject matter is dark and heavy and it's sad. And, you know, you talked about crying in the game. This is the game that'll make you cry. You know, yes. um, you have your abolitionist cards that'll help. You will, you try to maneuver the slaves into safety. And sometimes, I mean, it's tough to say, but you're going to sacrifice some slaves because they're going to yes. go one direction. Those will draw the slave catchers and that'll allow the other slaves to escape to freedom. Um, it, it's, it's especially during these times. As you know, we're going through some tough times in this yeah. country and around the world. This game, I would not play right now today. I would not play it. Um, I would refuse to. But in other times, I think it's an important history lesson. It's They've done it really well. There's also, there's actually, Academy Games actually put out a book that goes along with this game that you could. Oh, wow. That te- yeah, that teachers use as a curriculum. Wow. I think it's in, yeah, some school district in New York actually use Freedom Underground Railroad as part of their American history course. And it has like a little book, curriculum. I think it's for high school or junior high. I'm, I'm not sure. But this game, again, I uh, right now I could not recommend playing it. But mm-hmm. um, hopefully things you know get better soon. I, it's an important game. It's a must-have, I believe, in any collection because of the his- historical aspect. You learn from history. It's a very deep um, experience. I'm not going to say it's fun, but it's <laughs> you know it, it's a puzzle, and you're puzzling out how how to you know get the slaves to freedom. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's my number three of all time cooperative games: Freedom, yeah. the Underground Railroad. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, talk about harrowing decisions. Um, you know, yeah. we're both Trekkies, obviously. So yep. being forced with the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. Yep. And this game makes yep. you live that is yep. really super strong. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think that game walks a very tight balancing wire, too. I mean, obviously it casts us in a heroic role, which is certainly wise. But you're right. It is abstract. 
It is literally, yeah. on one level, just moving colorful cubes, trying to avoid colorful cones, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. And But the history does come alive. Because for me, the first time I played that, I mean, every card you play, it says, okay, these are abolitionists. This is the Dred Scott case, whatever it might be, events or opportunities. Yeah. And you can say, oh, well, look, I play this, and this allows me to move three cubes or whatever. But at the bottom of every card, in addition to real historical artwork and you know, archival you know, images and whatnot. There's just like these very well done, very succinct summaries of what they were. And honestly, the first time I read and played the Dred Scott, which I've, I've heard, I've heard that term my whole life. Mm-hmm. But in the, the education I've had in America, I had no concept for what it was. And when I read what it was, I broke down crying while playing. And Jen did too. And we're like, why are we playing this game? <laughs> right. um, and, 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 and the reason, that is the reason we're playing this game. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really special. It's, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, it really is. It's one of those games too that, for me personally, you know, after playing it, it made me, and I, I feel like this is something you touched on earlier, where it takes gaming to the next level. Where it's it made me go past the board games, like you know, I'm going to go. I want to learn about you know either the Dred Scott case or some of the other things that I didn't know about yeah. in yes. in the game. And it's like, oh, I want to research on my own outside of the game. And again, it's one of those. Uh, I remember, you know, I remember the first. I've remembered all my plays. It's one of those games that stays with you, um, besides the experience, but just the historical aspect and the what you learn. Yeah. And yeah, I I feel like every gamer, I mean, anyone should play this at least once and experience it because it's absolutely. A fantastic game, but it's also an important game, in my opinion. Yeah. That's amazing, too, that you said that Academy Games has released supplementary material. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously, you say it's, it's a game every player should experience. It's a game every publisher should seek to emulate. Because Agreed. considering how many of these games that surround me are based on real historical times and places and often people, but that history is completely ignored. Or is just window dressing. And all yep. of these games have the opportunity to, you know, do more than just give us little puzzles to solve, but to actually make history come alive and interject us into that history. So, you know, good on Academy Games and everybody who's involved. That's a, a, a very good choice. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. So I will try to. Uh, I will try to return the favor and bring it back up to my number two. Uh, my number two is uh, Men in Tights and Ladies in Spandex. It's Marvel <laughs> Champions. Oh, my gosh. Um, I am a lifelong Marvel comic book fan. Spider-Man has always been my favorite. Even as a young kid, when I picked up a copy of Batman, I wonder, this makes no sense. Why doesn't he just pay to solve all the problems? Why is he... Pay, spend untold money to put on a suit and beat up crime one at a time. Even as a kid, I understood that. But Marvel has always been so great at um, actually telling stories that have real-world meaning and resonance, quite frankly. Uh, I take Stan Lee as a personal um, hero of mine because his Stan Lee soapbox, he would get on and um, and talk openly uh, about the issues of the day, and he would weave those into the stories, uh, and not just you know turn a blind eye and say, "Oh, this is escapist entertainment." No matter how many times, and you know, I try to emulate that. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I love obviously I love Marvel and I love everything about it. And Marvel <laughs> Champions, which is really just a cooperative card game where you and I will each take on the role. You might be Captain America, I'll be Ms. Marvel, or uh, She Hulk, or you could be Spider Man, and we're going up against some Marvel villain. 
And the, the villain has their own deck of stuff they're going to throw at us. Minions and events and all kinds of stuff. We've got a deck full of cards that, you know, are so wonderfully thematically tied to who these characters are. And every hero I have played, I've played all of them except for Doctor Strange now, plays in a really unique way that is so true to their comic book origins. I do feel like after every time i played this game, somehow the design is so brilliant that there are always deep lows. Or, oh my gosh, this is we're, we're done for. We can't come back from this. And then amazing, dizzying highs where this is it. We're turning it around. The momentum is on our side. And whether you win or lose, it's an amazing roller coaster. And I feel like I've read a comics miniseries. Because the game doesn't focus just on one fight. Because a big part of the game is you spend an equal amount of time in costume fighting on the streets, but also in your day-to-day -day life alter ego, uh, you know, healing yourself or gathering resources or, um, you know, trying to find out more about what the villain is really up to. And, you know, that dual life aspect that had always existed, but it wasn't really until Marvel that they leveraged it and made the story something special. It's here implemented so brilliantly, and there's so much variety, and it's so much fun. It's a phenomenal solo game. Uh, since you love solo, I'm curious if you played it, yep. but oh my gosh, my wife and I, as a two-player game, it also is so chock-a-block with Wow, you're in a, you're in you're in a world of hurt, Captain Marvel. I could do this for myself, but I mean, you, there are so many opportunities to collude and work together, and uh, you know, and come up with solutions to problems. It's it's super replayable. I cannot wait for the Red Skull big box expansion that's hopefully coming out before the end of the yeah. year. If that is as good as I hope it will be. Marvel Champions might push into my top 10 games of all time. It's sitting just outside of it. I think number 15 wow. or number 16. It's that good. And I'll admit, part of that is nostalgia. Part of that is just a deep, deep love. In the same way you have such a deep love for Star Trek, and so you put Star... But it goes beyond that. Um, because I know that, because my wife does not have that same nostalgic um, you know, dopamine rush every time she sees these costumes and these characters. And she, um, one of the times we played it, she said, you know... If all of this, if this whole Rotto runs through thing didn't exist, I could see us really going down the rabbit hole on this one. So she loves oh. it too. Um, so yeah, it's for more than just hardcore comic book geeks as well. And it's my number two Marvel Champions. Wow, I t totally forgot about Marvel Champions. I <gasps> should have put it on my list. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh no! I, I loved my experience with Marvel Champions. I, I think it, I haven't played it solo, but yes, I think it. Oh, would you should. Yeah, I, I feel like it, it's, it'd be an excellent solo game. I've loved the game at two players. Four players wasn't that big of a fan. That's, but, uh, that yeah. is, I, I, even the developers, I think, would admit that yeah. it works, but you have to be really dedicated to stick it out for a three-hour game at four players. Exactly. It's just, it's too much for what it is. But, you know, one thing I love um, is the fact that you play as your, you can play as your hero's uh, alter ego. You know, the, like, I love Spider-Man. So playing as Peter Parker and then flipping that card over to Spider-Man, I love that uh, yeah. part of the game. Um, you, you talked about Stanley so Soapbox, and I remember I grew up as well, a Marvel fan, huge Marvel fan. And I, just one storyline that always stuck to me was the whole I, um, Tony Stark when he became an alcoholic. Yes. You know, that, as a kid reading that, I was like, I was so blown away. I'd never seen anything about uh, like that in comics before. And to yeah. this day, that still stays with me, that storyline. I loved it. And yeah, Marvel Champions is great. I totally regret not putting it on my list now. Um, oh, well. <laughs> so, so whatever you're, I've forgotten by now what your number 10 was, but it's it just got bumped is what you're saying. 
Yeah, so number 10 uh, was Dead of Winter. Bye-bye, Dead of Winter. Hello, Marvel Channel. Which, you yes. as you pointed out, was cheating anyway. So we have finally anyways, rectified yes. that. All yes, right. yes. So uh, <laughs> add that to my list. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, you've got to try it solo. I will warn you. Yeah. The game, I think, is at its best at two. And I played it at three, and it's pretty good at three, too. Solo okay. works. Not all uh -huh. the heroes are as well-suited towards it. And it's okay. also much swingier. You really ideally want two heroes to kind of smooth out the highs and lows. Right. Um, but still, I, I've, I've very much enjoyed it. And I've had to, because Jen's been on the road for a little while, so I've been playing it solo. Uh, okay. When uh, what, What's the new one? Oh, uh, Black Widow came in, and oh my gosh, yep. everything's about it. It's amazing. I can't wait. I just, I got notice that Doctor Strange is in the mail. So it's on its, he's on his way. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. I, Crimson I, Bands of Kryderak. Or, yeah. You know. <laughs> I need to play that solo. I, it's something that I, I'm sure you won't I'll regret it. Enjoy. You will love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what are we on? Number two. Number two. My number two cooperative game of all time: The Mind. This is Ooh, a wow. yeah. This yeah. to me, the, for my money, this is the purest cooperative game ever made. It is yeah. a deck of cards numbered one through one hundred. You uh, two to four players can play it, and you'll start with a hand of cards. You don't communicate. You just play cards in the center yeah. of the table in numerical order. It sounds impossible. When I first heard of this, I was like, there's no way this is possible. But it is possible. You it, And when you play it, it's so unique. You're just, everyone's just sitting there. And maybe I have the number 10 in my hand and someone has number 20. When do you play it? Do you play it right away? No, someone had a number three. Oh, you've lost that turn. You have to, you know, you lose one of your lives. When do you play the number 60? When do you play the number 70? You know, so it's this really... It really is. It's the closest thing I feel to mind melding. To take another Star Trek yes. term, right? Yeah, that's why mind melding with that. It's such a yes. weird theme, but it fits. Right. It totally fits, and it, it's it's fascinating to me that it's I, I we still play it. It's a filler game, but it, it's a, sort of a deep thinking game. But it's weird. You're just sitting there. You cannot communicate. I when I first heard of this game, I. I felt like it wouldn't work. It was like, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. But when you actually play it, yes, it does work. And it's fantastic. And you're just you're mind melding with your players. And it's thrilling to get into that rhythm with the other players. Where like, yeah. yes, I know, you know you're going to play the number uh, 12 here. That means I can wait just a split second to play my 22 or 18 or whatever. And as you build up, you do different levels. So you start with, I think it's one card. Then the next yep. round's two cards and so forth. And you're trying to get to... Depending on player count, the certain level of number of cards you're trying to do, and I have still not beat this game. I think the highest I've gone is to. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, I I've only gotten to I think it's level eight with a full player. I, I forget. Oh the, my, whatever. Beat, you mean have made it through all the levels? Okay, all, yeah, fair yeah, enough. through all the levels. Yes. Yeah. So me and my nephew, he at the time I think he was eleven years old. We got to the level before you win, and we were so pumped, and we were like high fiving oh, each no. other, and it's. Those to me, that's that's what I love about games is those experiences, those things I'm going to remember. Hopefully, my nephew will remember years from now. It's like we yeah. made it to this level. We're so pumped, and you know, I told Michelle, "Oh my gosh, we got this high!" And oh, the mind. It's to me, my money. It's number two. It's the purest cooperative game out there. That's the mind. You know, it's another real time game. There's no timer, but yeah. it is a real time so, game. Yeah, that, um, that's right. I didn't even think about I, I, it that way. So again, yeah. you can see, and you're. I mean. I can think of few moments in board gaming more exhilarating than I've been sitting on this 73 and just, I, I can't play it because we're at 50. Surely yeah. somebody has a 51 to a 72, but nobody's playing anything. I mean, come on, I can see there's like six cards. Really? Yeah. 
okay, okay. I'll play no and I'm slow. Oh geez, please, somebody don't make me do it. And I put the 73 up, and then immediately somebody does 74, 76, 79. Yes, yes. And it's like I love those moments. And we all just melt with all this stress that and we all laugh because we can't believe it's it's just it's and you're right that happened because we were in sync or at least as close as you can get to a Vulcan mind meld as possible not in science fiction it's incredible yeah it is agreed yeah the only the only reason it would make my list is because I do think it's amazing um it's that you you, it's amazing with more Jen I we we have found it to be an an intellectually uh, tickling little puzzle as a two-player game, but not compelling. The one time we her her mom was visiting, and we brought it as a three-player game, and we were all. I mean, you know, this is a game. You don't have to speak the same language. It's it's a it's a universal human experience you have. It's, it's fantastic. Good call. Good call. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Four players is definitely the best for that game. But yes, thank you. It's I, I love the mind. Yeah. All right. Well, my number one um, for now. Although we'll see what Marvel Champions does in the future, um, is uh, and remember, after I'm done with this, I'm going to do some more honorable mentions. I'll finish the rest of my list at the end uh, because my number one is not Pandemic. It was that was my number one last time as a spoiler. My number one right now is Gloomhaven, yeah, which nice. I I mean is, is that any surprise to anybody if you know my channel? I have spent so much time talking about this, so much time playing it. I have played Gloomhaven more than any other game period, in my entire 51 years on this planet. And that includes video games, that includes uh, MMOs, that includes EverQuest and World of Warcraft. I have put, at this point, hundreds of hours into Gloomhaven. And that, for me, is saying something. Because I don't have the opportunity to do that. I've always got to, hey, what's the next game that came in? we got to be playing this and filming it for the show. But my wife and I, for years now, have made time uh, you know, going back to Gloomhaven. We have had put it on the shelf for a couple of years. But Jaws of the Lion is coming out now. We got a copy a couple weeks early, and we have fallen in love all over again. And if I had to say why, in as quick and succinct a way as possible, because this is a cooperative dungeon crawl adventure, where we're just trying to kill a bunch of bad guys and make it to the end of a dungeon, and advance the story and level up our characters. There's hundreds of games like this on the market, and they all do interesting things. But if there's one thing above all else that makes... Gloomhaven Special, it's what we talked about right at the beginning, it's imperfect communication. Because I've got these cards. I have to play two of them. They're multi-use cards. I'll use, I'll use one for this action, I'll use one for this action. I can't tell you what cards I'm going to play. All, um, I have to plan in secret, as, as do you. And, but we have to work together if we want to win. So, we have to... I mean, when Jen and I play this game, it feels more like we're really in a life-and-death um, you know, fight for our lives in a dark, scary dungeon because we can't say, well, right, you know, when I play this card, I'm going to do three, potentially five points of damage, and if I attack from this particular space, it'll have an area effect that will wound him, and then if you go after me, you'll be able to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And no, it's like, okay, honey, I'm going to try and stand right there, and I'm going to try and hit them really hard, and if I pull this off, I'll be able to throw a heal your way because you're almost dead, and I'm going to go as fast as I can. But it's not very fast. So please, if you can, slow down. Because if you get over there ahead of me, I'm afraid they're going to kill you. And I can't heal you in time. Because my cards won't let me do that. 
And that's the level that we can collude. And that feels more like an in-the-moment, you know, we don't have time to, you know, work out everything to the nth perfect degree. And I love it. It makes, because eventually, I should make my plan, you make your plan, the enemies, they make their plan too. It's all revealed simultaneously at the same time. And we breathe this, oh, this is going to work. Or, oh my gosh, that was the one card the enemy could have drawn. They're going before either of us. They're not even going to be in that spot anymore. What do we do? Okay, I've got a plan. And the number of times you say, new plan. Uh, it's just it's just amazing the drama of this game and that it does a million things wonderfully uh you know it, it's the the level uh, the depth of its of its simulation the complexity of the rules 99 missions in the base box plus the designer has put out i think like another 100 missions you can download for free on board game geek by now but it's all comes down to that okay honey i'm going to go as fast as i can but you need to go faster than me i hope you can do this because you've got to get there <laughs> Or it's all going to fall apart. Or, or vice versa. Of course, you know, it's a two-way communication. And that's what makes the game infinitely replayable. Because cooperative games, if there's one problem they have as a genre, is the enemy, the, the force, the threat, whatever it is, it works procedurally. And therefore, it doesn't have that same spark that a human opponent does. And so all cooperative games, for some players, mean, well, I'll never play them because they're not really games. I'm just working against a spreadsheet, uh, you know, a bunch of numbers that are going to come out in a pre-designed order. But whenever you have imperfect communication, that spark, that unpredictability, comes from real human beings, the ones who you are working with. And that's what makes it so special. That's why I said right up front, it's the most important design innovation. I give the nod to Hanabi. Um, which is also, didn't make my top 10, but an amazing cooperative uh, improv communication game. And as of right now, Gloomhaven is at the top because it does it so well. That's my number one. Nice. Um, Question. So have you only played this two players or have you soloed it as well? I have. I, well, it, solo means you have to control two. So you effectively yep. emulate a two-player game. And the yep. interesting thing is, it still works. It is a very okay. compelling two-player experience. But everything I just described goes out the window. Because okay. you've got two hands, and you do know. Because um, you know, there, there, there's always the question every round. When I choose these two cards, I'm choosing them for move or attack or special spell or or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm also choosing them to determine what my speed is going to be. That's right. a range from one to ninety-nine. The enemies will have a speed too, and ultimately everything comes down to: Can I go before? Can I go slow so that the enemies will move into position so I can hit them? I'll play a really yeah. slow card, and wouldn't you know, the enemy played an even slower card. Um, so the enemy is still unpredictable, but you know exactly. Exactly what your teammate is going to do. I, and you know for a fact that, okay, well, you're going to play a 23, I'm going to play a 27. It, like the mind, if I don't know you're going to play a 23 and I'm playing a 27, that is terrifying. And I'm like, oh, thank God it was a 23, because if it had been a 28, this all goes out the window. Right. If, if, you know, so imagine playing the mind solo. I mean, you, you know what the numbers are. But yep. there's a lot of other stuff. And in fact, the rules actually suggest, if you're going to play it solo, it, the game has uh, ways you can scale the difficulty to increase it. You should literally increase the difficulty because you have lost the imperfect communication. And if you still want to have a, a, a proper challenge, because the game gets so much easier when you know exactly what and when your teammate is going to do. But I have enjoyed it solo, played at the higher difficulty level, and I have loved it as a three and a four player game as well. I love it in all counts. Nice. Yeah, Gloomhaven, um, it it would have made my list, but it's another one of those games where I haven't played it enough. I've played, I've just dropped oh. in a couple of friends' campaigns and 
loved it. Of course, I felt like this is a game I could get into and yep. love, and it just it just never I just never had the opportunity to continue. And I, I'm pretty sure Michelle really wouldn't be into it, so I wouldn't have like I wouldn't you know get it and just leave it here at home and play it. So I would have to actively search for uh, other uh, players who would be dedicated, and I have not had that opportunity. Unfortunately, that's what this because, is for. Yeah, and I, I love this everything. Is the, this is the tool yeah. to bring Michelle into the game. I, maybe that is. Yeah, it's like hey, yeah. let's let's play Gloomhaven. <laughs> just a quick game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, well, because yeah. it ha- Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Actually, I'm under embargo right now. Although I think oh, okay. the embargo will be lifted by the time this video goes live. All okay. I'll say is it comes. I-, I was talking about this earlier with this War of Mine. Um, that it has a brilliant system to just get you in and playing the game as fast as possible. Oh, okay. that's what Jaws of the Lion does as well. You open up the rule book. It uh, you open the first page and it's right. Set up the board. Second page. Right. Everybody, play two cards right now. If you don't know which ones you want to play, here's ones we recommend. So it really does a lot of heavy lifting to try to make the game accessible. And over the first three missions, it slowly introduces new elements. And by the time you hit mission four or mission five, then you're playing a regular game of Gloomhaven. Oh, okay. So something to uh, consider. Cool. Awesome. All right. So my number one is is actually your former number one, I believe. Pandemic. Okay. But it's Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Perfect. My, my number one. Uh, I, I, I knew I made time. the right choice. I knew I made the right choice bringing you on here. That is <laughs> that is the correct answer. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad I passed the test. Uh, pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, as we mentioned before, pandemic's the game that brought me into the hobby. But yeah. pandemic legacy season one, uh, without giving the spoilers or anything, this game took pandemic to a whole new level. Yeah. It's a amazing experience i always talk about it like for anyone that's never played it before it's like a mini series like an hbo mini series you have yes you're playing through a 12 uh, month campaign it's the pandemic you see the highs and lows you have your characters are going to go they're going to develop over the course of the game events are going to happen they're usually not good and things <laughs> things happen that are that seem like they're just out of a movie and i feel like they've done a just an amazing job for the narrative of this game. And I played this with um, our daughter, Lauren. Michelle started off the campaign, but then, um, again, she wasn't really in a pandemic, so we brought okay. um, our daughter's boyfriend into it, played it three-handed, did the entire campaign. Got to be honest, I did. We, did, we got through about halfway the campaign, and then Lauren's schoolwork and everything, We, you know, she would just come back, and we'd only play it whenever she got back from school, right. and we didn't, we didn't always have time. So it took us a couple of years to finish it, but every wow. single... Yeah. Every single game was an amazing experience on the tabletop. Um, again, it, to me, it was the narrative combined with the mechanics of Pandemic. And they yep. introduce, again, try not to spoil anything, but they do introduce new things in the game that made a lot, uh, a lot more fun for uh, Pandemic fans. That's my number one uh, cooperative game of all time. The experience of Pandemic Legacy Season 1, highly, highly recommended. It. It's my number one of all time. I like that. And you know what? Honestly, I'm curious about this. The fact that it literally took you two years to finish um, means you didn't, like so many people, like Jen and I, you didn't binge it. Because yes. I know people who, oh man, this is amazing, and they play through the entire thing in one weekend. And it's a done. Right. I'm curious. Uh, I would think only getting to play it once every several months, and then Lauren goes back off to school, that must have had to make every chapter that much more special in an event in your life, right? It, it did. And... and- at first, it was a little. It was tough because it was almost like you had to relearn the game. Because again, oh, there are sure. new, 
yeah, there are new things that come into play every game. But yeah. it did make it special. We're just like it was like gathering together around to watch a movie or a continuing series. It's like, hey, you remember what happened? Oh yeah, we like recapped. Oh, I remember this happened to this character. I remember when that happened there. And then again, the board changes. Oh, we can't go here or do this or that. Um, it was always something new, and we continued the series. So it was, it did make it for a special experience for me personally. And I think that's why it's my number one. It's just that yeah. that bonding time with your children, right? You cannot put a price on that. And it, it, it was uh, awesome, and I highly recommend it. I, I, I completely agree. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're a bit nervous, because you're like, oh, should I play Pandemic first? The game actually comes with Pandemic in the box. Yeah. You could play the yeah. game two, three dozen times before you ever... Um, you know, unlock your first thing and start making permanent legacy style changes to the game. That's right. That's no, a great point. My, yeah, I totally. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. I totally forgot that. Yeah, your first game is literally Pandemic, the base mm-hmm. game, and, and you can just yeah, play you, that over and over. You again. just play it until you're comfortable, and then start doing the legacy stuff. That's yeah. right. Now I'm curious, what did you do when you were done? Um, did you box- eulogize it? Did you? Uh, <laughs> the box is still up here. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I, I think I want to take the map, and I've seen people do this where yeah. you frame the map and the diorama it, but- thing. Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm gonna. It's still in the box. I, I, we just, we just like sort of just took a deep breath. Oh, we finished. That was great. And now I just put it on the shelf, and I don't know what to do with it. Like, Let me make a suggestion. Do? Yeah. The next time you feel like you have an itch to play Pandemic. Don't get out your regular vanilla version of Pandemic. Get it out, um, because the state of your map, what you have made by playing through that entire campaign, is a custom map of Pandemic that is unique to you, and no one else in the world has your copy of Pandemic. Regular rules for Pandemic work 100%. It's just that you're playing at a much higher difficulty level because, of course, the events of the game have ravaged and presumably scarred the world that is on your board. But it's still playable. You played it right up to the end. And now you can play regular Pandemic and increase the difficulty level by putting more Epidemic cards. Or you can play regular Pandemic and increase the difficulty level by playing on your custom board that is chock-a-block full of, um, you know, ruined cities and and roadblocks and whatever all else might be scattered all over the place. That's what I say. I, I didn't even think about doing that. That's that's a great idea. I think, you know, we will, next time we play Pandemic, we're just, we're going to use our custom board. Yep, yeah. So depending on how badly the uh, the world is sitting at the end of your game, you might actually have to decrease the difficulty level a little bit. It's probably a while <laughs> since you played Pandemic on easy. You might want to switch it back to easy because I've seen some boards at the end of the campaign are like, wow, that's going to be a challenge. But to yeah. me, it's an interesting challenge. I can't fly like I used to be able to do or yep, you know, all right. these kind of things. And I think, I mean, my wife and I, we have actually played Pandemic on our Legacy 1 board several times and even most of the expansions continue to work so just food for thought nice yeah our our board's a mess so that'll be a fun (laughs) uh, fun challenge (laughs) yeah yeah and worst case scenario if you want to make it a little bit easier those stickers the the glue on them was not very good you could probably pull a couple stickers off if you want to reduce the difficulty as well but i mean yeah it was so important to you it will be I think you will find it engaging to say, oh, this is not regular pandemic. We're revisiting our pandemic, you know, getting yeah. it out of the... Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and I, I'm thinking now, like, there are certain spots on that board where I, you know, if we go there, it's like, I know exactly what happened when yep. everything, you know, went to... Went to yeah, you, you have yeah. that, you have a history with that game. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so revisiting it, I, I think, well, you may or may yeah. not, but Jen, I've definitely enjoyed it. Oh, that's a great Folks, idea. Thank you. wow, that took a while. I th- yeah, what are we at now? We're at uh, over like an hour and 45 minutes. Oh, wow. I thought it would wow. just be me, but you're pretty chatty Kathy as well. Well done. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, I promised uh, 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 some some other final um, uh, honorable mentions. Uh, Forbidden Desert, Escape, oh, yeah. Curse the Temple. I was so happy. It put a smile on my face when you mentioned it because that was on my original top ten. Question for you. I didn't ask at the time. Have you tried Escape Zombie City? Um, yes, I did. I, I like it. What you I think? just uh, I, I liked it. I know it added the, the whole zombie thing, but yeah. for me, it was just managing too much. I'd rather just chuck dice and try to, you know, uh, move. Like, I don't want to worry about, okay, we got to pull a zombie out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So uh, that's that was I exactly my wife's uh, opinion, too. She's okay. Yeah, yeah that was fine. And to be fair, I had to do most of the zombie wrangling because she just yeah. wanted to... But still, Me yeah, too. at the end of the yeah. day, there's a purity and a simplicity to Temple. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's see. Escape. My old number two, which would still be my number two, by the way. Uh, Gloomhaven is literally my number three game of all time. My number two game of all time, and my number two on when I did this uh, six years ago, was Shadowrun Crossfire, which is oh, okay. the hardest, most crushing, unforgiving, co- uh, cooperative deck builder card game on the market and I love it. I love how much it beats me up and I keep coming back for more. <laughs> and my number one originally and still my number one of all time for the reasons you listed is Pandemic or more specifically Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Yes, yes. Um, I got a couple of honorable mentions okay, as well. Go, go, go. Well, the ones I talked about, um, the other ones I did not talk about, um, the Unlock series. Uh, Ooh. Those, right? Those are Specifically the rooms. Unlock or just Escape um, Rooms in general or Unlock specifically? Um, generally, yeah, escape room type games. I've, I've liked uh, a few of them. Actually, I just played um, <laughs> Scooby Doo: Escape from the Mansion, Haunted Mansion. That was from the op. It's a lot of fun. It's a family really? friendly one, but yeah, thematically they nailed it. It's it's a Scooby Doo episode in a box. Um, a lot of fun. And the other That's one, uh, Stop Thief, uh, the cooperative oh. version of Stop Thief, was a lot of fun as well. Which I, re- with- I believe requires an app, right? Yeah, it does require an app. Yeah, becomes the Mister X who's running around in secret. Exactly. Yeah. And it's I I love it because it's really simple. Uh, You know, you have the app that tells you what to do, and then you and your teammates are just trying to find the uh, the bad guys. Yep. If you want a uh, a blown up, much bigger, heavier version of that, try Sabotage. Oh yeah, yeah. I played Sabotage. Um, That that was a good one. Yes, Sabotage. Specifically with the app that will take over the role of the guards, and then you can be the sneaky around ones. And it's a full cooperative experience. I don't think a lot of people realize uh, that it doesn't have to be a two versus two team. Phew. Okay, we've made it, Ruel. And we did it. Yes. Folks, if you're not sick of him yet, and you would like some more sweet Ruel action, again, follow those links down in the show notes. They will go over to his Twitch page. We're recording this on a Saturday, so I don't think he's doing anything tonight, but he'll be back in a couple of days. What? How are you picking your games? Um, just, just whatever strikes your fancy? Are you focusing on things that will work well for camera? or? Um, yeah, whatever strikes your fancy. Yes, both both those things. So anything that, uh, again, it's up to Michelle and Lauren. If they're down to play it, then yes. I'm an Omni gamer. I'll pretty much play anything. But yeah. I know uh, their tastes are, are different than mine. So I try to find something that they'll enjoy. And also that'll work for camera, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, most, of, most of the stuff in our collection does work for the camera. But yeah, we, we don't really have too many limits as to what we'll play. Yeah, and also I think you've. It seems like you've for the most part been picking ones that aren't going to last much longer than an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're not busting out we, the TI four or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to play TI four on camera, but I do want to play TI four again sometime in real life. I'm looking forward to the day I can. <laughs> well, I know somebody who likes it quite a bit, and he's in your neck of the woods, actually. Oh, so, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe, I can, maybe that, I can arrange something. You that's might right. probably know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. That would be great. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he would love it too. All right, folks. 
Thank you for sticking this far. Check out Ruel. He is great. I am really... I, Ruel, I just want to say thank you, because I have definitely been enjoying your nightlies. Uh, well, the, the ones that you play are the ones that I enjoy. Um, although, you know, you've actually... I mean, I really liked you and Michelle. Um, what was it? Onitama, which yeah. is not a game I had any interest in, but boy... She was giving you the business. Oh, she I, was. I loved it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. It was great. Yeah, thank you again for having me on. This is great. I mean, of course, I've been a huge fan of yours for years, so just being able to hang out and talk games with you has been a dream of mine, honestly. It's been, this is a dream come oh. true. I mean, it, it's fun, and, you know, you're so knowledgeable about games, and just having, just hanging out with you, talking about games on a Saturday morning, for me, it's been a, it's truly been a great, great experience. So thank you. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for saying that. I feel very silly now, because... <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to respond to that, but thank you. Thank you for saying that. And now, folks, we're going to hang up, and uh, we're going to cross our fingers that the Rails recording this whole thing via Skype plan works. Fingers crossed. And otherwise, everybody, yeah, have a nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Bye-bye.